Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I am Jesus Christ Superstar's biggest fan. Uh, and I am still on paternity leave, so we're doing another trade swap this week, so you're never without a n- fresh new episode. Would you stop taking care of your, I'm sure, lovely, beautiful child? Uh, we have, I haven't seen him yet, so I'm sure he's lovely and beautiful. I mean, I hope at this time I'm just playing video games and he's just napping 24-7. Yeah. And no th- one calls DPS. That's likely. Yeah. That's like uh, what I would assume is going to happen, but we'll see. Okay. How are you doing, man? Uh, I mean, you've had your kid for two weeks now. Are you doing all right? Well, at this point, I've had him for zero weeks because we're recording in the future. Uh, yeah, we're recording yeah. a week before your, yeah. your son is going to be born. Yeah. So I assume I am better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> Best shape of your life. Yeah, never been more more, more well-rested ever. <laughs> um, But for this trade swap, uh, we chose... We're doing a trade swap, by the yeah. way. Okay. I don't know if we said that. So you chose Eternity Girl for me. Yeah. Why did you pick Eternity Girl? Why are you like, Alex needs to read this? Because uh, it was one of my top books last year, and I know you didn't read it. And it was probably the only one of my top books from last year you haven't read. Uh, yeah, and it was written by Magdalene uh, Viciaggio, art by Sunny Lou, whose names are probably butchered both of them. Yeah, I don't uh, think you pronounced either one of those correct. Yeah, but it's close enough. Uh, close enough for comics. Close enough for us, yeah. Here at Henchman here of Comics, we don't care so much. I thought you picked it because the cover was vaguely checkerboard, and so you're going to hope that it was a ska book, uh, but there's actually zero ska references yeah. in this book. So you rated a zero out of ten. <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, spoilers for this and the other book we talk about, uh, I did love how this book opened, uh, seeing the hi- the fake history of Eternity Girl throughout the age in the comics. I thought that yes. was really clever and a lot of fun. I uh, kind of remember him like Grant Morrison would do. Uh, I got a lot of, I got like a bit of like a light Grant Morrison feel when reading this book. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this is the first comic book uh, that she's ever written or one of the first. And I'm pretty sure it's one of the first, uh, if not the first that Sunny Lou has drawn. We should say it's on the Young Animal imprint as well. It is on the Young Animal imprint that expired and then is coming back. Yeah. Which I refuse to read anything on Young Animal because I didn't want to support anything that had to do with My Chemical Romance. Uh, yeah, Gerard Way is doing wonderful things if you like the Umbrella Academy. Uh, go check out all the Young Animal stuff and maybe more will come back. But I thought this was, this was a very, sort of kind of like a straightforward story about this woman who uh, is essentially has elemental powers and she can control anything, control her elements. Uh, uh, but she, her, she has trouble holding human form and like that's where her initial trouble come in. She seems to be one of the most powerful people in all of existence, if not the most powerful person in all of existence, which comes about later. But I absolutely love the character of Eternity Girl, her powers, and kind of what this book unfolds. Yeah, uh, she reminded me a lot of Metamorpho from DC Comics, uh, kind of oh, the same God, thing. How would you say that? Uh, because oh. they both have like the same power set, so and they both kind of have that funky look to them as well, with the pale white faces. I get the 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 look vibe of it, but I don't think that the skill set's necessarily yeah. the same. They can I think control she's got elements. a lot more she, power than Yeah, she can control does. not only elements near her, but elements like all around as well too. She's we realize that she's essentially a walking nuclear bomb and all she wants to do is die. Yep. 
Which but, would essentially destroy yeah. everything forever and always. But like on the surface there's that she's uh being hounded by her ex archvillain who is dead but might not be dead. Uh it's never clear she could be having a mental breakdown. Uh the government institution that she used to work for, like in the vein of being a part of an Avengers team, uh has suspended her uh because she's unpredictable uh and because she committed violent acts against one of her own teammates. Uh so it's but and on the surface you have all these standard comic book story notes. But really, this feels like it's a book about someone trying to accept and find their identity without being told like who they are, who anyone wants them to be, who they are. Right. It's a book I think that really grasps uh, something like something like many things in 2018, 2019 have been doing uh, with mental illness and and really find the uh, struggles deeply human, uh, even in these super non-human situations. I think it's fantastically done. As somebody that's uh that's dealt with people and their mental illnesses a lot, like I feel like this is something that I can really relate to, and I think that was kind of the point of the book is really let people uh, relate to somebody in these comic books that you might see or you could even be in in, in real life. So I think it was uh, an eye opening thing for some comic readers that don't get to see themselves visually represented because in comic books a lot of times it's just a hero and a hero yeah. story. And there's still a lot of that too. Like I mean, there's still a lot of like there's characters going through different dimensions and there's you see different variations like what if versions of them throughout the very dimensions as well uh you sympathize with the main with the protagonist but you also kind of realize you don't want her to die not just because not to take away her own wish but because it would kill everybody on the planet and you're like well that's a bit unfair uh to sacrifice everyone and just because you also want to die yeah. doesn't mean everybody should die it's this is a real i mean it's much more than what you get on the surface it is not a you can read it as a quick read, but you'd miss a lot with this book, I feel like. What do you think of the art in this book? I think the art is fantastic. Uh, the way that they break up the panels through the different universes as well is really clever. Uh, the way that they did the art through the different periods and Eternity Girl's life, I thought was really clever as well. There's different art styles kind of mirroring how the art changed in comics throughout the different decades and periods as well. It was, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. I was surprised that it was just done by one person. Yeah, you see the inspiration from so many people in comics history throughout the the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today uh, to be infomercialistic. That's a word now that I made up, infomercialistic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really, uh, really impressive, the, the range that this guy's got. And like you said, like you believe this is the first book by both the writer and the artist. Uh, but it shows that they both care very much about the subject material that they're working in. Like it shows that the art pays, has some homage in art or has been influenced by comics from decades past. The writing clearly has been influenced by comics, uh, from previous years as well too. Yeah. So it's not just two people off the street that just thought they could do it on a whim. It's people that have love for the source material and the medium that they're working in. And I've I've read some interviews of the both of them, and I I know that they're I don't think they're that they really are coming from a major comics background. That they, they do a lot of other things, and that's what makes them their money. So they don't have any skin in the game. They're out there ready to just make a unique, uh, wonderful story, and that's what they did. What do you rate this book? I'd give it a seven out of ten. Uh, it's not one that I would go back and like reread on my shelf because it's more of like a heavier book, but it's kind of like a nice piece of art that you do want to have uh, like amongst your collection. Yeah, I don't want to put it in the same categories as some of the the bigger one-offs, like the uh, the V for Vendettas and the Maus and all that stuff out there. That's just otherworldly, but it's 
it belongs in a category slightly below those, I think. Yeah. Um, I think if you're, if you're looking for a book that's going to be self-contained, that's really got a lot to say. This is a book for you. Uh, so now for something completely different (laughs) because I like joy in my life, uh, and don't like this overwhelming depression. Uh, I, uh, tell me what I chose for you. Uh, Alex chose for me the extremely heavy, uh, dark Marvel tale, Rogan Gambit. Uh, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Pere Perez. Uh, Kelly Thompson's a phenomenal writer. Yeah, she, Kelly you Thompson. Said yes, many times, she's fantastic. And I think you love her much more than I do. Probably. Um, uh, but like, not to say I don't really enjoy her work. Though. Like, this is one of those books. Like, Gambit is my favorite DC or Marvel character, and has been ever since the X Men cartoon in the uh, mid nineties, uh, and that's never changed. But I've never like gotten. Like I think a, I've gotten good Gambit books or good Gambit stories, but never a great Gambit book. And it's like the first one in a long time. I'm like this is a great fun story that really shows who Gambit and Rogue are. I appreciate Gambit because he knows the same forty words in French that I do from my uh, seven years studying it in high school and college. Uh, so I really appreciate that about him. I'm glad you said and college because like you were in high school for seven years. <laughs> I did go to high school for nine years, but that's a whole other story. We won't get into that here. Uh, but essentially, this uh, book deals with X-Men Rogue having to go undercover for uh, for a retreat for married couples to pretend like they're married, uh, which causes some strife because they haven't been a couple for a very long time. In fact, there's this fun bit where Rogue reveals that she made out with Deadpool uh, just to stab at Gambit's heart, which is true. That's canon. That happened in Jerry Duggan's Uncanny Adventures run. Yeah, and she said something along the lines of, you don't have to have a face to kiss well. yeah i I thought that was pretty great uh i thought the first issue of this book was not super well done personally uh but from there i really enjoyed it uh the first book um the first issue i don't think they really nailed the accents of the two characters down maybe i just didn't notice it or wasn't paying super super close attention but i felt like uh two through five it was a lot more prevalent and i feel like you actually do like in this book like believe that like you get invested like in their love story like you these characters actually do care for each other and love one another uh and should be together as well this book is so low risk that i struggle to agree with you there like on you're on, low risk nothing's more high risk than true love oh my god they're fighting clones of themselves for like three books which is an amazing homage to like see all the past uh outfits that they wore which was a joke about that too which i appreciated i enjoyed it i liked seeing all that I don't know if it was necessary. Uh, I like the story that it told. I like the overarching story. I thought the writing was very, very well done. Uh, but the story was a little lacking, and it wasn't super substantial to The me. story was flawless, and it was not lacking at all, which is why it led to the spinoff, Mr. and Mrs. X. Uh, which is thought, that written by Kelly Thompson as well? It is written by Kelly Thompson, uh, because they got married in X-Men Gold, Whenever Kitty Pride left Colossus at the altar, which is a whole another story that Mark Guggenheim screwed up, but that's a that's a whole another podcast right there that I want to get into. But the greatest couple in comic book history is finally back together, and that's the most important thing. The greatest comic book couple in history. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's then would be Daredevil and Elektra. Interesting. I don't think I agree with you even by a long shot. But you know what? I respect it, and I think it's interesting, and I'm not going to fight you mm-hmm. on it because I don't want to argue over something that I think is stupid with 
about comic book characters. Uh, the most important thing of all time. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so uh, the book was enjoyable, though. Like I thought the story was a lot of fun. I thought Kelly Thompson. The art was really great. good too. Uh, the art was perfect for, art was for this kind of story. The art was okay. The coloring was great. The coloring was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, was it Jordy Belair? Because I bet Jordy Belair does everything. Uh, it is not Jordy Belair. Jordy uh, Belair is she is one of the most talented colorists in the business, and I feel like does work on like eighty percent of. Color well, books. this was done by Frank DeMarta. Uh, I believe it was Jordy Belair. So, so good job, Frank. So, what would you rate this on a scale of one to ten? I'm not done talking about the story yet. Okay, Jesus Christ! Well, for something something that's low stakes, shuffle me along. It was very low stakes. Nothing's more high stakes than love. That's not the whole thing, though. It's 100 percent about love. It's beneath the surface (laughs) of every panel. Yes, all about the love. I really enjoyed the counseling sequences. Those were fun. Uh, When you really get into some of their past stuff. Uh, I've been reading a lot of the X-Men Grand Design and really digging into some of the past uh, X-Men stuff. So Ed Pisker's uh, Grand Design books basically cover in three or in, rather in six issues, uh, 300 issues of X-Men history. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that, check that stuff out. But I thought this was very interesting to me because so far I haven't really gotten much into the, the rogue and yeah, the, that's the third or the issues five and six. For yeah. The extinction stuff that's just, yeah just now come out. Uh, but I really like this. Uh, it was fun. I thought it was very low stakes. So we you knew where it was going the whole time. You knew that they were both going to live. It you was, don't know that anything can happen. No, not, the hate, <laughs> not in a five issue mini series. Nothing major is going to happen to either of these. Wouldn't that be amazing though? If they kind of like, if they both died, like in the series further around, no other X-Men or Marvel characters. Just, it would be uh, phenomenal. Yeah. It would be like the darkest move that Marvel could make. That would just be Marvel flopping their big <laughs> smelly wiener on the table and saying, deal with it. It'd be like, well, I never figured that from Kelly Thompson of all people either. <laughs> from Kelly Thompson. Somebody who writes some of the most happy, fun, yeah. creative books. I thought she wrote another happy, fun, creative. So, would you read Mr. and Mrs. X? Absolutely. Okay. After reading this, which I didn't uh, necessarily think that I was ever going to read, unless Alex handed it to me, which he fucking did, yeah. uh, I thought it was pretty good. Seven out of ten. Okay. I give it a ten out of ten. It's the love story that will never die. Uh, oh it is a modern day Twilight. Uh, and- Alex, who are your top three Marvel uh, superheroes? Gambit, Cable, Deadpool. Okay. Number one is... Gambit. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. You have no say here. <laughs> uh, I think I do, because that means I'm completely unbiased. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's going to wrap it up for this week's Instrument of Comics. Next week, paternity leave is done and over with, and we are probably going to get to the... Probably the middle tier summer blockbuster of X-Men Dark Phoenix. We don't know. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, the uh, early reviews are out. Uh, this is, We're recording this literally two days, or I guess a day and a half before it comes out. Yeah. Um, the reviews aren't good. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. I We will see, yeah. and I think you're going to like it a lot more than I will. Probably. Uh, for the Hinchman of Comics, <laughs> I'm Alex. Or as always, you can email us at Hinchman of Comics at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook. Uh, and wherever books are sold, we've got some brand new yeah. books out there. Uh, X-Men, Second Genesis. Yeah. Uh, the Shining by Stephen King. That's the full title. Uh, <laughs> so that's ours. Uh, for the Hinchman of Comics, I'm Alex Dashback. And I'm Rogue and Gambit. Hinchman ain't easy. Hinchman ain't easy.